We're going to go to 1 Peter chapter number 4, continue on in our series, Hope in a World of Hopelessness, 1 Peter chapter number 4. I love to see families serving the Lord together, man, it just floats my boat, I guarantee you. Waiting for uh, Brett and Amy to sing together up here, it's going to be exciting, it's coming, it's coming. We're working on it, we're praying about it, we're fasting, we're praying. Well, I'm not fasting, but I am praying, anyway. <laughs> We'll see something happen, I guarantee you. First Peter chapter number 4. I appreciate everyone joining us by live stream. And I hope that you're ready for church too. And you've been singing along with us. I'm thankful for everybody that's in here. First Peter chapter number 4. Look down to verse number 12. <clears throat> we'll begin our reading there in verse number 12. Beloved, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. I'm going to start over. I need, to, I need to read this with more emphasis. Slow down, brain. Okay, let's try it again. Verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part, excuse me, on their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. If you'll leave your Bible open there, we're going to look at these few verses tonight with this thought, the blessings, the blessings of the fiery trial. Let's pray more. We'll get started. <clears throat> Lord, I, it, just, it just overwhelms me, the, your goodness and mercy and grace and long-suffering and forgiveness toward us, and that you're always, always there. No matter the case, no matter what is going on, you're always there. No matter if we can sense you or not, you are, you're, always, you're always there. And... Uh, Lord, no matter what we might face as believers, as, as, as Christians, as those that have trusted Christ as our Savior, no matter what we might face, Lord, you have a plan for it, and you're going to be there for us. And even as we look at the Scripture tonight, we just pray, Lord, for divine direction in everything we say, everything we do. We pray for boldness, power, uh, Lord, clarity of mind. Uh, we've always, we're always in need of that. Uh, clarity of speech also help us to get the message across lord speak to hearts tonight even as brother mike prayed you do something that only you can take credit for is our desire and we'll thank you and praise you for what you do for you, we do ask it in jesus christ wonderful name amen and amen thank you very much for standing and please do be seated <clears throat>
the fiery trial, which is to try you. That, that's just not, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, it's a wonderful thing in your Bible reading in the morning to get a portion of Scripture or a whole Scripture that you might meditate on throughout the day, chew on, you know, for a while throughout the day. That's a wonderful, wonderful thing. I, I, I would have to say that probably the fiery trial, which is to try you, is not the kind of thing that we'd like to meditate on day after day. <laughs> but with this passage of Scripture, we are shown that it has to do with the joy, our joy as a Christian. Fiery trial. Come on, we believe the Word of God. Somebody say amen. amen. I know it's Wednesday. It's already been a long week. It's been a long year already, hasn't it? But let's tune in tonight because God has something for us here because we think about a fiery trial and the next thing we think about naturally is not rejoicing. Come on, we think about a fiery trial that we might go through and the next thing we think about is not great joy. Boy, this brings me great joy. It's not like that. But God doesn't work like this world works. God doesn't think like we think, act as we act. I mean, God has a different uh, plan, doesn't he? And uh, I believe that we can see here through this passage of Scripture that this does have to do with our joy as Christians. Come on, preacher, really? Come on, I mean, come on. You really mean that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because we trust God, don't we? Come on, we trust his word, don't we? I mean, truly, come on, if you've been keeping up with the series, you know that Peter's already dealt with the persecution of Christians. Um, however, this persecution is not on the same level. Uh, he, he dealt with the suffering that we as believers experience as we try to live the Christian life from day to day in a world that is anything but Christian. You know, I mean, as, as you're around students and workers and neighbors and sometime even our own homes, uh, we will suffer persecution at the hands of those people. Um, it has been labeled by one, excuse me, by one Bible commentator. That type of persecution has been labeled by one Bible commentator as normal persecution for the believers. If we're living the life of a Christian, that those folks that we are, are around, the, the, the non-believers, the unbelievers that we are around, we're going to suffer some form of persecution from them as we try to live the way that God would have us to live. I'm not talking about nominal Christianity where you keep your mouth shut about Jesus and you don't try to separate yourself from this world. I'm talking about as we truly like, as we truly try to live for the Lord Jesus Christ, there will come persecution from those that we are around. And it seems as though now Peter's encouraging believers to prepare for the fiery trial that is to try you, of which the same Bible commentator calls official persecution. Official. And we have to remember where we, where we are in the Scriptures. Um, people are under the Roman rule, the Roman government. And this seems to be preparation for an attack that was going to come uh, upon the Christian from the government itself. And up to this point, Rome had been fairly lenient toward Christians, thinking of them as a branch of uh, Judaism. Uh, but the time was coming that they, uh, the government would not be as tolerant as they had been. In fact, the Roman government was going to become very hostile, wasn't he? And, and, and it wasn't it. And Christians were going to be made to face these fiery trials of persecution. And I believe God's using Peter, was using Peter to prepare them for such a time. I'm sure that you remember what we learned in the early chapters as we started through this, 
that we are strangers in this world. We're pilgrims just passing through. We're, we're sojourners that are just passing through. I mean, I mean, this world is not our home. We have a home beyond the blue. Hallelujah. Very thankful for that. But what about the USA? What about the United States of America? Well, I don't think you'd argue that uh, we are Christians in what was at one time a Christian nation. The preacher is still a Christian nation. No, it's founded upon Christianity, but I'd have to say this is no longer a Christian nation. Not the way that God intends for it to be. Uh, Not in a time where people of other religions have more liberty and freedoms than we did that 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 that, that uh, uh, claim uh, Jesus Christ as our Savior have. We've come to a place where Christians have less liberty than those of other denominations, uh, those of other religions. I guess I should say. Um, we've come to a place where, for the past. Six decades, our nation has been moving slowly but steadily to a place where um, where we're only tolerated. Christians are only tolerated, and we now live in what would be described as an anti-Christian culture. The culture in, in the United States of America isn't Christian like it used to be. I was reading an article early this morning from the news and. And it was talking about uh, a certain thing that happened back in 1980 that that the the that the news uh, I'm sorry that the TV channels and and all would not have a thing to do with back in 1980. And I'm telling you, I don't have time to expound on that. But I'm telling you, if it if it came out today, well, I know something like that. Something worse has come out today, and nobody even blinks at it anymore. I, I mean, we live in a different time. And it's like I'm not talking about 1930, I'm talking about 1980. I mean, that wasn't that long ago. But things are accepted today in the United States of America that would have never been accepted 50 years ago. No way. And that's why churches such as our church, Riverside Baptist Church, that hold fast, that, you know, we hold fast to the, the practice, the, uh, uh, the, the truths uh, that are taught in our Bible. And that's why often churches like ours are labeled cults. You're just a member of a cult. I mean, you really believe that Bible. Yes, we do. And you really practice that. Yes, we do. And you, you're supposed to be in church every time the doors are open. Yes, we are. Now, you're nothing but a cult down there. It's crazy. No, no, no. I mean, it's, it goes on on a regular basis. And you know what that means for us that are committed Christians? Fiery trials are coming. It's just the way it is. I mean, it's what he's talking about. See, we know that the Bible is timeless. And and what we're looking at tonight will help us with these trials if we will just take heed. I said it will help us with these things if we just take heed. But we have to have the right attitude. Our attitude toward all of these things, stay with me here, our attitude toward all these things is very, very important. Our attitude toward it. We cannot allow ourselves to become negative when these things take place. We have to be strong. When people don't understand, we have to be strong. When people are going completely different direction than we are and calling themselves Christians, 
We have to be strong, and we have to keep the right attitude about that. Come on, we have to have the attitude of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to have the attitude of a real Christian. We can't get sour about all of this. Come on. No, no, it's the truth. This world is not our home. We're just a passing through. We are going to get to spend eternity in heaven. Hallelujah to God. We ought to be happy about something. This isn't all we have to, this isn't all we have to do with, deal with. We, we must be strong. Look at verse 12 there again. It said, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice. What God said, rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. So God said that the trials are going to come. He said that they will. Um, and now uh, in 2020, we are living in a world that is made up mostly of unbelievers. That's just a fact. No, I'm talking, I'm talking about worldwide. We are living in a world that's made up of mostly unbelievers. There are still unreached people in our world that have never even heard about the Lord Jesus Christ. Then there are di these different countries that will not even allow Jesus Christ to be preached or taught in their country. And then there's just ones out there that don't care anything about Jesus Christ because they're their uh, uh, place of abiding is so wicked and they can get away with so much. They don't care. They don't want any God to come in and tell them what they could do or could not do or should do or should not do. They don't want any of this. So, so we, we live in a world that's made up of mostly unbelievers. And why think it odd? I mean, like something, some strange thing has happened to you when this world comes against you. Why think it odd? And, and, and why, why are we so quickly turned away the, from the beliefs of the Bible and what God would have us to do when those types of things happen? We shouldn't think it's strange. That's what he said. We, we, we live in an unbelieving world where most do not understand and, and very often detest and belittle those that believe and practice real Christianity. I said they detest those that not only believe, but practice true Christianity. Come on, they'll, they'll harass you because of the practices in your life, what you do and what you don't do. They might want to belittle you for those things. And we really shouldn't think it's strange what God says. We really shouldn't think it's strange. I mean, wouldn't it be more weird if they didn't persecute you for it? I remember some years back, I went to an Oklahoma versus Texas football game. I had on my OU shirt, had on my OU hat, and the guy that took me was a Texas fan. And he was the one that arranged for us to go, and so we sat about five rows up around the 50-yard line right behind the Texas bench. I know you think that's funny, Brother John. So there I am. I mean, I'm, there I am, decked out in crimson and surrounded by a sea of ugly burnt orange. And uh, the Sooners were really romping those Texas cattle that year. I mean, they were putting it on them pretty hard, and I was having a ball. No, I was having a time. It was great. Man, I was hollering. I was hooting. I, I was cheering on for Oklahoma. It was wonderful. It was great. 
And I did, some, I did encounter some strange looks from those people that were sitting around me. The guy that was with me, well, he was kind of like, you better be careful. No, oh, no, it's good, it's good. I got you to protect me. It was great. It was wonderful. Um, and there was, a few, uh, there was a few, I'm sure, that probably had some uh, derogatory things to say. You know, they probably called me a few choice names. One of the great things about not being able to hear well is you don't have to put up with a lot of that stuff. And one, fi- one guy finally looked back to, at me after, well, he after a time and said, I, I believe you're sitting in the wrong place. To which I said, oh, no, I'm right where I need to be. This is awesome. This is great. This is good. It got, it got, and so, <sighs> so if I was to go home from that game and say, you know, I sat there right in that Texas side, man. I was rooting for Oklahoma and all these Texans were around, man. And, 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 and I, I don't understand it. I mean, they, they looked at me strange. They called me bad names. They did all these things. I, I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't understand why they did that. No, it would have been much stranger if they had not been mean to me at that point. <clears throat> I, I am telling you, I, of course, I, I try to keep up with politics, but I don't like politics. I try to keep up with it, and I do, but I don't like it. If I was to go to the National Democratic Convention, <laughs> and I sat there and I listened to their pro-socialism, their pro-abortion, their pro-sodomite platform, and then grabbed up my Bible and headed up there and tried to preach the whole counsel of God to them, um, do you think it'd be well-received? Man, that guy's just a good guy, ain't he? Could you can you just hear him and the things that they would say? Uh, no, no way. They'd throw me out in a heartbeat. And for me to get thrown out of something like that, because I tried to tell them the truth of the word of God, and to get thrown out of something like that, and then to say, I don't know what the wrong with them people. I don't know. I don't know why they would treat me like that. I, I, I don't know why they would do those things, say those things to me. I mean, would I think that's strange? No, it wouldn't be strange. Because they don't believe correctly. I'll go ahead and say it. They don't believe correctly. They don't believe the way this Bible teaches. And I'm here to tell you, as we stand for what is right, according to God, we're in a battle with this world in which we live. We are in a battle. But we have to decide that we are going to fight the good fight. No, we have to decide that we're going to be one of those that are really in the battle. Because it not only has to do, please stay with me on this, it not only has to do with those that are un, unbelievers, it has, it has some to do with those that just don't believe the way the Bible teaches, that claim to be believers. It has some to do with that, doesn't it? Go ahead and say amen right there. It's absolutely the case. Sure it is. Now, we're just visitors here. And Christian bashing, bashing has become increasingly accepted 
What is strange is a believer who can live in this world and never be reproached, never be persecuted, never be mocked. No, somebody claims to know the Lord Jesus Christ and they never have to suffer any reproach. That's weird. That's strange. But even as we go through that, we need to keep a positive attitude. And we can do that because of verse number 13 where it says, but rejoice in as much as you're partakers of Christ's sufferings. So God says we're to rejoice. And somebody might go, man, a lot of you are being treated bad, so rejoice. Rejoice in what? Rejoice in the fact that you are partakers of Jesus' sufferings. Well, preacher, that, that just doesn't make me want to rejoice right away. Well, hang with me because there's more scripture here, and it really tells us what it's all about. And I know this is completely foreign. I hope that, I hope that you'll not check out before I get done here. Because, because I know this is completely foreign to this world, and it's completely foreign to our flesh, and it's really not what we would, uh, it's really not what we would initially just go, boy, that's exactly what I want. I want some persecution so I can rejoice and have joy. No, 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 I understand it. But God has a plan for all of this. Come on, we are His children, right? Somebody say amen. We are His children. We are supposed to live a different life. We are supposed to see things differently. We are supposed to see things the way that God sees things and not just the way the rest of the world sees things. Come on, we are supposed to be different, aren't we? We're supposed to be different. Christians are supposed to be different. We're supposed to be different. It's... We have been conditioned by the uh, Christianity, quote-unquote, of our society to where we think that we need to be politically correct and we need to be mindful of people that don't believe the Bible the way that we do so that we don't offend anybody and we don't hurt anybody's feelings and we make sure we don't want to make anybody feel uncomfortable if they're going to be around us or anything like that. Can somebody say amen right there? No, I mean to tell you, no, 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 no. It has crept into the mindset of evil, even Bible-believing, teaching-preaching Christians like Riverside Baptist Church And we have to be careful. And I'm not talking about how we should ever be personally offensive to anyone. No, 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 no. But I'm telling you, if we are going to live the life that God wants us to live, and we're going to live it openly, and we're going to live it in such a way that we are trying to get people to the Lord Jesus Christ, there are going to be those along the way that even claim to know Jesus Christ as their Savior that will be offended because of what we do, say, how we live, what we go. It's going to happen. It will happen. And we've gotten to a place that we will just want to be careful that we do not offend anyone, even if it's for the cause of Christ. Do you remember how they uh, treated Jesus? I mean, simply because he didn't fit in with the world. What they did to him, well, they persecuted him. 
So if we are Christian, if we are truly Christ-like, if we're Christ-like, well, preacher, you know, God is love, and, and, and Christ, He just loves everybody. I'm all for loving everybody. No, I mean that. I'm serious. I'm not being facetious. I'm all for loving everybody. I think we should. I think we should love everybody enough to reach out to them, to try to get the gospel to them, to try to help them to live the way that God would have them to live. Absolutely so. No, I don't think we should exclude anyone from that. I think we ought to be doing our very best to live such a life that people see a difference, that, that, that we, can, we, can, we can have the opportunity to share Jesus Christ. I, no, I think, no, no, I, I think, but don't get to thinking that, you know, God just loves everybody. Don't, don't get to thinking just because because God is love, that He winks at sin, and He doesn't care how we live, and He doesn't care what we do. That's not true. Don't get to thinking just because Jesus Christ died for the sin of mankind, that He died for the sin of mankind, that, you know, now He doesn't think sin's a big deal. He does. Acts chapter 5 and verse number 41 says that Jesus' disciples departed from, uh, departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. They rejoiced. Isn't that something? Not really, isn't it something? Come on, it's pretty foreign for today, isn't it? That they rejoiced. That they were counted worthy to suffer shame. For his name. Okay, so preacher, wait a minute. Marshall, wait, wait a minute, pastor. You're saying that if we suffer for Christ, that it's going to bring us joy and it's going to cause us to rejoice. Can you tell us how that works? Well, the last part of verse 13 says that when his glory shall be revealed you may be glad also with exceeding joy. We also live in a nation that is a nation that likes to be immediately satisfied. Immediate gratification. We want it now. Right now. God doesn't work that way. And so many things that he teaches us in this Bible shows us that he doesn't work that way. God is looking for those that will be faithful. Faithful to his word, faithful to him, faithful to live the life that he has for us to live. God's looking for people like that. Faithful. And I'm telling you, no, 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 I'm telling you, we may not all be able to do everything, but we can be faithful if we so choose to. We can be faithful. No, no, we can be faithful to adhere to the teaching of this book and do our best to live it. If we so choose to, we can be. See, there's coming a day, we sang that, there's coming a day that the glory of Jesus Christ will be revealed. He's coming back. He is coming again. We believe in the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He is coming back. And when that happens, when that happens, stay with me, think with me here. Don't, don't, don't tune out. Don't quit. When that happens, we'll, we'll, um, will all the Christian's joy 
be equal at that time. I'm talking about with all Christians, all believers. Will, will, will their joy all be the same at that time? <clears throat> nope. Not going to happen. Just not going to happen. Well, I come, preacher. Well, there are those believers that think their only reasonable service to God is going to church. Period. No, I mean, they think that's it. As long as they go to church, at least Sunday morning, you know. Well, I'm serving God. Really, what do you do? I go to church. No, and they really believe like that. They never tell anybody about Jesus. They, they live like the rest of this world. They avoid anything. Anything that would make them seem different from those that are not believers. They're not willing to speak up about moral issues or social issues and, and go out of their way. Really, a lot of them go out of their way to make sure they never have to suffer in any way, shape, or form for the cause of Christ. They don't want to be reproached. They don't want to be ashamed. They, they don't want to feel like they're the outcast or the downcast. They don't want to feel like that. No, 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 no. They, they live their life just the way they want to live their life. I'm talking about believers. I'm talking about people that do know Jesus Christ is their Savior. And then there are those that go to great lengths to serve God, to serve Christ. I'm saying serving God is a priority in their life. Oh, no, they, they have a lot of other things to do. They, they've got jobs, they've got family to raise, all these different, all these other things to do, homes to take care of, all that. Yeah, all that. But God is a priority, and serving Him is a priority in their lives. It's priority. It's priority in their home. It's priority in their lives, in their family. It's a, it's a priority. They, they, put God, they put God before worldly pleasures. God comes first. And people like that, many, many times, people like that are branded. They're branded as fanatics. The way they're raising their kids, the way they have their home, the things that they do, they're mocked. They're mocked because of their Bible beliefs. They're mocked because of their Bible standards. God has dealt with them and they're living a different life and a different lifestyle and they're raising their children different and their homes are different and their entertainment's different. All these different things. And they're mocked because of that. Because of listening to God and just doing what God would have them to do. Many times they're even branded as hate mongers because they believe what God teaches uh, uh, trumps what this society teaches. So they're labeled hate mongers. Because they believe what God says is wrong is wrong. And even as they try to raise their children right and, and run the home right, then, then their kids are ridiculed because they're being trained up in the way that they should go. Their kids have to face some things as they grow up because they live a different life, have a different home. But those same Christians, they continue to do right. 
No matter what others do. No matter what others say. They're going to do what God wants them to do. It really doesn't matter because God is a priority in their life. God is. He's number one. He guides the way. They believe Him. They trust Him. They believe His Word. They try to adhere to it. They heed to it. They do what God would have them to do. So we got these groups. And then Jesus comes in glory. I mean, do you really believe there's going to be equal rejoicing from both groups? I'll just go ahead and answer that. Nope. It's not going to happen. It's not going to be that way. One is ashamed because of their unwillingness to conform to the things of God. While the others are rejoicing with exceeding joy. Uh, Pastor, man, pastor, come on, you carry this stuff way too far. Pastor, what you need to do is you just need to slack up a little bit. Come on, I mean, you just need to slack up. Will you just slack up some? Uh, No, I can't. I said, no, I can't. Well, how come you can't? Because there are scriptures in this book, like 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, where it says, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him and at his coming. People like to pick and choose what they want out of the Bible. God never meant for it to be that way. Well, that's okay for you, but that's not what... You just go ahead and stop right there because this Bible is written personally to you and me and everybody that's sitting in here. And we choose whether or not we're going to take heed to it or whether we're not going to take heed to it. We decide whether or not we're going to live the way that God says or we don't. We decide whether or not we're going to raise our children the way that God says or we don't. We decide whether or not we're going to take in or quit in the entertainment that we should or, or, or we don't. We decide what we're going to do. And I'm telling you... I'm telling you, this book is still as relevant as it was the day it was pinned down on parchment. Just as relevant. Absolutely so. And I have to say, it really bothers me at times. It really bothers me at times that there are those that would shout when they hear the verse in Romans chapter 3 and verse number 4 where it says, Let God be true and every man a liar. But then they do not seem to want to take certain, certain parts of the Bible as serious as other parts of the Bible. But I'm here to declare to you tonight, this whole Bible is the Word of God. And God truly wants us to receive it as such. I do not believe that we think enough, listen, listen to me, I do not believe that we think enough about the time that we will stand face to face with the Savior. I said, I don't think we think about the time. I don't think we think about it enough. We have been programmed by this world, more programmed than we care to admit. But the Bible says, the Bible says, as we suffer reproach for Christ, it allows us as believers to experience the spirit and the glory of God. That's what it says there in verse number 14. If you be reproached for the, same, uh, for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. Suffering reproach for the cause of Christ is part of the fiery trial. Part of it. 
reproach, suffering reproach. That word just pretty much, it, it, well, it, it means criticism, accusations, blame, disgrace, shame. You, you know, when you're, critic, when you're criticized as you stand for Jesus Christ, when, when you're accused of being the problem instead of the solution, when you're blamed because you didn't give practical answers to problems, but you took people to the Word of God, when you are suffering disgrace in the eyes of other people because you have chosen to live your life for God, when people say that you should be ashamed of your beliefs, don't worry. Just go ahead and be happy. No, we're headed the right direction. But preacher, it seems like the whole world's against us. Bingo! This world is against us. And it's about time we quit blending in with the background. God never meant for it to be that way. We're to be different. Don't worry, be happy. Rejoicing. Come on, another scripture that we should take note of is Luke chapter 6 and verse 26 where Jesus said, Woe unto you, listen to me please, Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you. Now Jesus said that. Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you. I think Jesus knew how this world was going to be, don't you? It was bad back then. It's bad now. You know, it's really a shame that when we can't take, when we can't take a stand for our convictions around other Christian, other professing Christians, it's really a shame. Well, I just don't want them to feel uncomfortable and I just feel a little weird because we don't... Don't feel weird if you're doing what God wants you to do. Mercy. We want to please God, right? We're more concerned about Him than we are other people, aren't we? Well, we'll get ourselves in a jam if we're not. We'll mess up our own thinking if we're not. We'll mess up our household if we're not. We'll mess up our children if we're not. We should be concerned first and foremost about what God says and how He wants us to live. And I don't think it can be denied that God causes His Spirit, right there in the Word, that causes His Spirit and glory to rest upon those that are willing to suffer reproach for Him. Oh, please, I hope you're giving some thought to this. Because see, this is where first, uh, this is where 21st century Christianity misses out. I, I, I'll say it again. This is where 21st century Christianity misses out. 
Because they care nothing about, they care nothing about suffering reproach for Christ. No, 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 man. We need music like the world and, and entertainment like the world. Live like the world and act like the world and talk like the world and dress like the world and take in the world's entertainment. I mean, whatever it takes so that others won't think of them as strange. That's the way they like it. Shouldn't be said of true Bible believers. I said it shouldn't be said of true Bible believers that it's that way. We have to decide whether or not that we're going to live the life that God wants us to live or that we're going to live this Christianity light. And what is sad is that there's, there, there are those in churches like ours that, that want to take on the same characteristics. And, 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 and we'll do what they can. Please, please get this. And, and, and even those people will do what they can to get others to go that way too. Can I tell you, as your pastor, that's a slippery slope? No, as you begin to compromise your standards, your views, your beliefs of this book, it's a slippery slope. And you're teaching your children opposite of what God would have them to do. Preacher, you seem pretty worked up about this. I am, I am watching it wash Christians out across the country. I am watching independent, fundamental Baptist churches that are sliding down the slope. Well, preacher... <laughs> you're getting older. You don't have to remind me. I'm reminded every morning when I try to get out of bed. And you know, you're just kind of back there and all that. And you don't understand. I mean, we just, we got to try to just get along with everybody. Um, No, we don't. No, our first and main concern should be pleasing God. And if we're not trying to do that in our own life and in our own home we're really messing up we're messing up fewer and fewer and fewer it seems are surrendering to what God would have them to do full time ministry fewer and fewer I'm not talking about just right here at Riverside Baptist Church. I'm talking about across the board, fewer and fewer. You know why? Because they're biting into this stuff. You know? No, no, no. This idea, well, God doesn't care about this, and God doesn't care, and mercy's sakes, and that old-fashioned preacher, and he's always just seems to be griping about something, thinks we shouldn't do this, shouldn't do that, shouldn't live like that, shouldn't wear that, shouldn't go there, shouldn't do these things. And I'm telling you, it's not that big of a deal. I don't know why. I don't know why he thinks it's such a big deal. It just doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. It doesn't matter whether it makes any sense to you whatsoever. What should matter is what the Word of God says. But I'm telling you, no, 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 I'm telling you, the grown-ups of households are getting this mindset, and guess what they're doing? They're passing it on to their children. Instead of training up their children in the way they should go, it's like, well, we just need to let our children make their own decisions about things, you know. Oh, no, 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 you were giving those children, no, no, to be a parent that you could train them up the way that God would have them to go. 
And if they make it up old enough to leave the house and then go on to do whatever they can, I mean, that's between them and God. But I'm telling you, while they are there under your care, under your roof, under your authority, you're supposed to be training them up the way that God would have them to go. That's good preaching if I am doing it. Isn't it something to read about the Christian martyrs of the past? How they did what they did with such joy and grace. I'm talking about those that were burned at the stake. Those that were impaled. Those that were sawn in two. Those that were thrown to wild beasts. And still yet not willing to bow down to unbelievers. They had something that a lot of Christians don't have today. They weren't willing to compromise. Think about Stephen in the book of Acts. The Bible says that he was full of the Holy Ghost. He's full of faith, full of power. He preached the gospel of Christ to everybody that would listen. And we know this, they sent, they sent false witnesses against him, uh, and then they set him before the council over in Acts chapter 6, verse 15 says, And all that sat in the council, looking steadfastly on him, on Stephen, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. What? What, preacher? What was, what was that all about? Well, the spirit of glory and of God rested on him. No, what's talking about here? The spirit of glory and of God rested upon him. It's really sad that some believers are willing to do anything. They're willing to do anything, make any compromise to keep from being branded as a fanatic. I said, wake up, stay with me just a couple more minutes. It's really sad that some believers are willing to do anything. They're willing to make any compromise to keep from, be, to keep from being branded as a fanatic, to keep from being branded as strange, to keep from being branded as peculiar, to keep from being branded as weird, to keep from being branded as a legalist. Legalism has to do with someone working out their salvation. And I'm going to leave that alone for now. But people don't want to be, I don't want to be no legalist. I don't want to be labeled no legalist. They don't, they don't even know what legalist means. I don't have time. They, they know they'll do anything they can so they don't have to be branded and wear these terms. They'd rather be accepted by everyone than to make their number one priority to please God. But when they do that, when they do do that, they miss so much of what God wants them to have. Oh, I say that again. When they compromise like that, they miss so much of what God wants them to have. And I'm here to beseech you. Don't, that, don't let that be said of you. Those that live wrong are going to suffer. Verse 15, but let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, 
a busy body in other men's matters. No, no, no need to bring that kind of suffering upon yourself, doing things wrong. Many live that type of life. They live a life that's anti-God, anything but that, and then they want to blame God when things go wrong. Uh, there's, there is something to be said about clean living. Oh, absolutely so. But if you're striving to live godly and you suffer as a Christian, don't be ashamed of it. Don't let the peer pressure push you away from trying to live your life the way God wants you to live your life. Verse number 16. Come on, I'm, we're, we're done. Verse number 16. Yet if any man suffers a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Let him glorify God on his behalf. Don't be ashamed if somebody, if somebody says, I can't believe you're so hard-nosed and you're one of those and you just think that that whole Bible and you just think you ought to live and you just believe everything that your pastor says and whatever they want to say. No, 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 don't, don't, don't be ashamed of those times when people would say, hey, you, just, uh, you just think you're better than everybody else and all that stuff that they say, you're just a legalist. All that stuff they want to say. No, 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 no. Don't get me ashamed about that. Glorify God in those situations. Say something like this. Only by the grace of God. And any believer that might say that they're not going to come to Jesus because they don't want to suffer. If that's what God has to offer, I don't want, I'm not going to come to Jesus. I don't want to suffer like that. Let me just go ahead and tell you. No, no, I'm talking about unbelievers now. Let me just go ahead and tell you that you'll not only experience suffering in this life, but you're going to experience suffering for eternity in hell if you refuse to trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. The blessing of a fiery trial. I'm here to tell you tonight that there's a blessing in the fiery trial. But you're not going to receive it if you don't decide to live your life completely for God. It's available to those that sell out and make God number one. It's available. Don't let anything deter you from it. Stay close to God. Let's all stand. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the Bible and the truths that are in there. I thank you that your Holy Spirit still works in the hearts of men and women and boys and girls. Lord, I don't have any idea how you may have spoken to hearts in this room tonight. But my desire is that folks would just respond in a positive way, Lord, to uh, allow you to have your perfect will done. And Father, as we open up the altar, I pray for those in here that may not know Christ as their Savior. I pray you'd convince them, convict them deeply that if they don't trust Christ before they leave this world, that they will spend eternity in a very real place called hell. If they're not willing to turn to you and trust Christ, that nothing good awaits them. And I pray for the believers that are in here, Lord, each and every one of them. Our desire as pastor of this church is that everyone would live according to your perfect will and way and be blessed because of it. So God, as we open up the altars, we just pray your will would be done, that folks would come. We'll thank you for whatever, whatever, whatever is accomplished by your good grace. we, We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Some have already made it the altar. Piano's going to play. The altar's open for you. Why don't you come? Why don't you let God have his way? Why don't you just go ahead and surrender all? 
No, surrender all. Just go ahead and surrender it all. Everything. No, everything. Quit holding on to that part. You know, that part where you think you know better than God. Just give it all to Him. Surrender your all to Him. You'll not go wrong. Folks are praying. Still time. What is it God wants from you?